Nearly 100 years ago, the world was faced by a number of challenges caused by growing totalitarian governments, communism, fascism in the form of Nazism and elsewhere. And in the face of these totalitarian governments, which claimed that they had absolute power and authority over the earth, Pope Pius XI, in the year 1925, instituted the solemnity that we celebrate today, the Solemnity of Christ the King. And in the face of these kind of devastating worldly powers, Pope Pius X instituted this feast for a special reason, an important reason, to show that these human people are not having exercising total authority over the earth, that their kingdoms are not of absolute power, but rather Jesus Christ is the true King. The most important kingdom on this earth is the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom within which we are trying to live. Today's solemnity causes us, or poses the challenge to us, to decide which kingdom we want to live in. Although this feast is relatively new in the history of the church, only, only 100 years, it certainly has its roots deep in the biblical tradition. So by the time of Jesus already, the Jewish people were expecting a king who would inaugurate a new kingdom for them. But by the time that Jesus Christ arrived, the Jewish people were expecting this king to be a very different kind of king, and this kingdom to be quite unique. Now in the history of Israel, the most important or the most powerful kingdom, of course, was that of King David around the year 1000 BC. This was the time when a Jewish earthly kingdom was at its, at its peak of power. King David had a unified kingdom. They had kind of the extent of their reign was the largest, but this really was the peak of this kingdom and it lasted not too long, not too long a period because immediately after David, we had Solomon and soon after Solomon, this united kingdom of Israel split apart in the kingdom of the north and the kingdom of the south and things really never recovered after that. The kingdom of the north was destroyed by the Assyrian Empire in 722, and about 150 years later, the kingdom of the south was destroyed by the Babylonian Empire in the year 586, more or less. At this point in time, the elites, the ruling class of the people of the south, were brought into exile. But even in exile, this hope of a kingdom continued to grow in the hearts of the people of Israel. They did not kind of abandon this hope that God would once again establish a kingdom, that once again God would send a king. After their return from exile during the Persian period and during the Greek period, the people of Israel began to understand more and more that the kind of kingdom God was going to establish was not a worldly kind of kingdom that they were used to in the past. No, God was going to bring about something completely different, the kingdom of God in a final and complete way. And the person to inaugurate this kingdom of God began to be understood more in terms of a Messiah, an anointed one. Kings like King David, of course, were also anointed. They were a Messiah. But especially during the Greek period, in the few hundred years prior to Jesus, the people of Israel began to understand more and more that this Messiah would be a king unlike any other human king. And this expectation grew in their hearts that God would send such a person. We find this ex expectation of a Messiah quite clearly on display in the book or the first reading 
from the prophet Daniel that we heard this evening. The prophet Daniel is writing, or this book is composed, somewhere around the year 165 BC. This was a time of great persecution for the Jewish people. There was a very um, violent Greek ruler, Antiochus IV, ruling over the Jewish people. And during this time, Daniel proposed this message of hope that God would send this figure, this Messiah, to whom he would um, eventually give power and ultimate reign and authority, not only over the people of Israel, but over all people. And this Messiah, as we heard in the book of Daniel, is called the Son of Man. So by the time Jesus comes around, the Jewish people had this great expectation, a great longing that God would reestablish their kingdom, but in a very different way, a final definitive way in which God would ultimately reign and they would receive a new king in the form of the Messiah who wasn't like any other human king beforehand. Jesus Christ, when he begins his ministry, makes it very clear that he has come to bring about the kingdom of God. This is central to Jesus' preaching, his ministry and his mission. Jesus Christ identifies himself as this Messiah, the Son of Man, the king sent by God who is going to reestablish God's kingdom here on earth. And we saw that already in the Gospel of Mark, which is the shortest gospel. Right at the very beginning, Jesus' first message, his first words to the people are, repent and believe, the kingdom of God has come near. This is central to Jesus' preaching. Throughout the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus describes the kingdom of God in, a parab in parables. According to Jesus, the kingdom of God is something very mysterious. The kingdom of God that he's come to establish is like a mustard seed. It's small, it's real, it's truly present in our midst, but it is growing, again, like yeast, to use another image. And ultimately, this kingdom of God that is really truly present here with the coming of Christ is growing until the end of time in which it will be all and all. Jesus Christ came to establish this kingdom. And we saw in the gospel today, which we heard from the gospel of John, that Jesus is unlike any kind of king that has come before him. He's kind of, he's unique without comparison. In the gospel today, we hear about Jesus in the trial before his death. He's in conversation, in argument with Pilate. Now Pontius Pilate was of course, the Roman governor at the time of Jesus. Pontius Pilate represented the one who had absolute authority or secular authority on earth, the Caesar, the emperor. So Pontius Pilate, with whom Jesus is arguing and debating, represented utmost power and authority on earth. And Jesus says to him quite clearly that he has, Pilate, has no authority over Jesus Christ. Jesus has authority over any earthly ruler. But Jesus Christ, as we see, is very, very different than any king. Pontius Pilate, the Caesars, had wealth, had power. Jesus, our king, is completely different. We see in John's Gospel at the Last Supper that Jesus Christ, this King, gets down on his knees to wash the feet of his disciples. This, of course, was an act or an act of service that was reserved for slaves and, in fact, the lower class of slaves. So Jesus Christ in John's Gospel is a King who comes to serve us and ultimately lay down his life for his people, give his life as a free gift for us. This is the kind of King that Jesus is, this is the kind of kingdom that Jesus came to establish. Today, on this solemnity of Christ the King, we are faced again with a choice. What kingdom do we live under? What king do we follow? 
Each king, each kingdom, of course, has its own rules, its own ways of conduct, its own values. We live in a world, perhaps, where the values of wealth, power, kind of seeking our own ego, are sometimes paramount. Jesus, in his gospel, Jesus our King, shows us a different way, a way of service, a way of self-gift, a way of sacrifice. Today is a chance for us to renew our commitment to follow Jesus our King, to be heirs of his kingdom. It's kind of a more modern parable that I think strikes this lesson or this point home. There was once this kingdom kind of far away in a land long, long ago. And in this kingdom, there was a king who had no heir. So he had no children, no one who would inherit the kingship after him. And this king announced to all his subjects that he would decide to give the kingship to one of the subjects in his reign. One of the people in his reign, would, he would name king after him. And people were free to come and be interviewed by him to see if they were worthy to become king. And the king made it quite clear in, when he made this decree that he would give this kingship. The new king would be someone who had to love God and had to love neighbor. In this kingdom, there was a small village, kind of in a very rural place. And the people in that village recognized that there was a young man there who lived a humble life, a life of service, a life of self-gift to other people. So the villagers of this city thought this, this person could be suitable, this young man could be suitable. So they gathered all their money together and gave it to the man for his journey. They gave him food for the journey. They gave him a warm cloak to wear to protect himself from the bitter cold. And this young man journeyed to the capital, to the palace of the king, in order to meet and be interviewed by this king. As the young man was making his way towards uh, the king's palace, there was a large garden in front of the palace. And this young man saw in that garden an old man who was poor, who was hungry and who was begging and obviously cold in the weather. And this young man decided to give this old man his food that he had been given for his journey. And he gave this man his cloak, even though it wasn't very nice, to wear to protect himself from the cold. And the young man ultimately left that beggar there in the garden and went into the kind of waiting room for the palace to wait for his turn to meet the king. After some time had passed, finally this young man who had traveled from afar was given the opportunity to come into the presence of the king. And when he entered into the presence of the king, into the king's throne room, he was shocked when he saw the king upon the throne because he saw that the king upon the throne was actually that old man he had met in the garden. And the king was sitting on the throne wearing the cloak that he had given him. And as soon as this man entered the king's throne room, the king announced that this young man would inherit the kingdom after him, that this young man had what it took to be the, king, the new king to rule over this kingdom. We too, on this Sunday, have this opportunity to decide which heirs or, or in which kingdom we want to live. Let us redouble our efforts today or, or recommit our faith to Jesus Christ, believing that he truly is the king of the world, the king of the universe, and commit ourselves to following his rules that function as his kingdom, these rules of love and service.